0: Grab your Bibles and go with me to the book of Mark. Um, Mark chapter 8. And I'm going to endeavor to be as succinct as I can and to the point because I want um, my prayer is that you understand um, what I'm about to say and what God would say to our life this morning so my prayer is for clarity and understanding and if you hear something that either challenges your theology or maybe you don't understand I want to invite you to come out on Wednesday night so we can interact um, and wrestle with that some more Amen. now I want to begin the message by saying this Uh, for the past two weeks we've been dealing with two uh, extremely difficult subject matter uh, one was um, what I refer to as a dangerous invitation where we say to God, forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. And what that meant was, um, God, forgive me the same way I forgive others. And if you're like me and if you're human and if you're honest with yourself, we don't do a good job forgiving That was an amen right there, y'all. Come on, come on. Don't, don't leave a brother hanging. Amen. Chris, can you bring this down just so do what you need to do back there? It's kind of loud. Uh, we don't do a good job forgiving, all right? And we're very phony with it. Um, we, we fake it well, or this is what we do. We say, um, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. And then we attach to it, well, I ain't God. You know? We, we come on, y'all. We go there, we go there. And then Dr. Bell came last week and he said to us, um, love your neighbor until they know that you love them. Yeah. Particularly convicting message for me because um, I don't do good, not that I don't do good loving my neighbor, is I don't know my neighbor because I want to be left alone. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I live where I live because I don't want to be bothered. <laughs> Can I just be honest with y'all? When I was in Denver, you guys would come right next to my house all day. So I moved away because I don't want to be God. I'm just gonna be honest, amen. And you think I want to see a neighbor when I go home? No, I just got through dealing with a whole lot of church folk, amen. But the message convicted me because when I go home now, I gotta be, I must be on the lookout for them. So yesterday one of our neighbors went to the mailbox to retrieve her net mail, and I looked over at my wife and I said, What's her name? <laughs> Yeah, um, I remember her name, it was Charlotte, yeah, yeah, and, and her husband name and all that. But, but that's hard for us to do, and it takes us out of our comfort zone. And so today, um, but, but, but here's where I'm at with my walk, is that when I hear a challenging message, I am forced to obedience. I'm forced to obedience. I want you all to hear me say that. And I want you to hear it and apply it to your life as well. That when we hear God's word, we are forced to obedience to obey what it is that God would have us to do. Now, the thing I want us to work through as we kind of talk about this text, um, what I want to do this morning is I want to give you a how-to to be able to forgive quickly and unconditionally. And I want to talk about how to be able to love Um, unconditionally as well, like we love ourselves. Because if you're human and you're like the rest of us, it's a difficult thing to do and it's a challenging thing. But one of the things that I've learned about the word of God is that God's word has a prescription for just about every challenge that we encounter in life or at least some principle that we can take away to be who God would have us to be. So this passage that's in front of us, I believe that God intentionally placed it in scriptures for situations just like this. I really, really do. That when we hear those challenging things on we ought to love our neighbor. We ought to be kind to each other. We ought to do what God would have us to do. He doesn't just leave us hanging and say go do it. He tells us what we ought to do. And, how, and he lives. It gives us examples and situations in scripture. To enable us to walk through and be who God would have us to be. So I'm going to begin this this sermon this morning by asking the simple question, and don't raise your hand, how many of us in here want more of God? Are you with me? Yeah. You you get what I'm saying? Want more of God. Let's be honest about it. How many of us want more of God? Because the only way we'll be able to live out the commands of God is if we go to that next place and that next level with him. Amen? So this passage just in front of us, Mark chapter, Mark chapter 8, I'm going to walk you through it um, back up to chapter 1. Let me give you some literary context to move you to where we're going to be so we can hear what God would have us to be. If you look at verse 1, um, verse 1 kind of gives us the situation or the scenario where Jesus was out ministering um, out in the wilderness just doing what Jesus does. And the scripture says, and I think it's around verse 1, All the way to around verse 10 that he had a crowd with him roughly about 4,000 plus people that were there ministering. And as he was ministering to them, um, the time came for them to go home and the author gives us the details that they were hungry. And as opposed to sending them away empty handed, he multiplied seven seven loaves of bread and a couple of fishes and fed these 7,000 people such that... There were left over once he finished the miracle. Now, as you walk through, verse 11 picks up. And I want you to look at verse 11 because I want to read this because this sets the backdrop for what we're going to say in a little while. Verse 11 says, the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to do what? To test him. Okay? Now, let me say this parenthetically. A lot of us... Can, have not responded to God yet because like the Pharisees, we want God to come down from heaven and beat us over our head and say, you need to go forgive your sister. And we won't do it until we feel God shows up. But I want to say to you, he's already here. Are you hearing me this morning? Okay? So they're asking for this sign. And look at verse 12. And he, being Jesus' sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek for a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got in a boat again, and went over to the other side. Okay, now look at verse 14. Look at verse 14, because this is, this is, I want you all to track with me. Now when they had forgotten to bring bread, talking about his disciples, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat, and he cautioned them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, And the leaven, the yeast, the leaven of Pharaoh and the leaven of Herod. Some of your translation says the yeast of the Pharisees. Now pause for a while. Now the reason I gave you the context in in verse 1 all the way down to, what's that, verse 10 or so, here's what happened. Jesus just began, finished this miracle feeding all these people. The disciples just grabbed one loaf of bread and they got in the boat to go on the other side. And then Jesus uses this metaphor. He says... Um, because they had just asked for a sign and it worked his nerve. Yeah. Yeah. It did because look at what the author said. it says, he sighed deeply. <sighs> <sighs> These four people. And so the disciples now looking at this one loaf of bread and knowing what he did, and Jesus said, "Beware of the level of the, the leaven of the Pharisees, hear what they said, verse 10, 16, and they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread, Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have not no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Here's what Jesus said. Be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Here's what the disciple did. Oh, leaven. We must not have brought enough bread. And here's what he says. How long y'all been in church? Are you still thinking in the natural realm? I need to flesh this out. So here's what he says in verse 18. Having eyes you do not see and having ears you do not hear. And do you not remember, look at what he says, when I broke the five loaves and the 5,000, how many basketfuls of broken pieces did you take up? Then he said, they said to him, 12. And the 7, um, the 4,000, how many basketful of broken pieces did you take up? And he said to them, 7. And they said to him, 7. And he said to him, to them, do you not, what's that word? Yet. yet? No, don't miss it yet. The, yeah, I need you to say it. Do you not what? Yet. yet. Understand. So, so here's, this is, this is such a trip because I think Jesus has humor sometimes, okay? He's frustrated because he's trying to tell them beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. They look at the bread and they said, oh man, we didn't bring enough. And here's what Jesus says, you tripping. Hold up. Y'all remember the little boy that had the two catfish and the five hot water cornbread? That's what he said. He said, remember what I did with that? And he says, didn't you just see what I just did with the 4,000? How many baskets were left over? Don't you think I can do it again with just y'all one little loaf? You think I'm trying to make an issue about bread? And he said, y'all just don't get it. That's what he said. You just don't get it. My problem with the church and with a lot of us, and I'll put myself in there sometimes, is that sometimes we just don't get it. Can we be honest with ourselves this morning, guys? And just say sometimes we just don't get it, right? And he says you do not understand, okay? Now look at verse 22 all the way down to 26. Now I need you to understand with me, Jesus just finished saying You all do not get it. You don't understand because you're thinking it's about bread, okay? So in other words, there's a place, disciples, where you need to go that you haven't gotten yet. And look at verse 22. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to do what? Let me read the whole thing and we're going to flesh it out. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, "Do you see anything?" And he looked up and said, "I see people, but they look like trees walking." Verse 25. Then Jesus laid his hand over his eyes again, and his eyes op- and opened his eyes, and his sight was restored. And he saw everything. How? 26 says he sent him home, saying. Do not even enter the village. Now, I said all that to say this to you. This passage of scripture, this scenario where Jesus encountered this blind man is not accidental, nor is it incidental. I am one of those guys that believe God, by means of his divine intention, set up this healing scenario... As an illustration, a practical demonstration for Jesus to communicate the disciple, to the disciples what needs to happen to them for them to get it. They thought it was about bread and here's what he said to them. You have eyes, but you what? Can't see. You have ears, but you what? Cannot hear. So he'd go across to the other side to Bethsaida, and all of a sudden the text opened up by saying the moment they got there, here is Jesus, here is the twelve, and they probably still have that one loaf of bread, and they encounter a crowd, and notice what the author says. The crowd had a blind man, and they brought the blind man to Jesus. Okay? Come on, say they brought him to Jesus. Him to Jesus. One more time. They brought him to Jesus. Him to now notice this, Verse 23. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Now, I'm the guy that's probably going to say with you, because I understand or I believe I understand what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples in this lessons. The disciples probably went with Jesus as he took the man outside the village. Okay? Now, here's the first thing I want us to understand with me as we kind of walk through the steps. If you really want to experience Jesus in his fullness, first of all, you must be, let me put myself in this, we must be willing to spend time alone with Jesus. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, Neighbor, we must spend time alone with Jesus. That's very, 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 very important. I need to paint this picture, and I'm not going to hang out here long. But number one, time alone with Jesus begins the, the process of making everything make sense. Now, walk into this. Verse 22 says, "...they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him." And 23 says, "...he took the man, how? By the hand, and led him outside the village." Now, here and and then the man had this encounter with Jesus. Now, here's let me let me let me draw some parallels for you to get this. The crowd, then, could be symbolic of the group of people that are gathered here on a Sunday morning, sometimes on a Wednesday night. Whenever it is we go, to, we come together, the crowd is the group of a congregation of people. The village setting could be symbolic of this church building that we find ourselves in. So for the sake of this conversation, or for the sake of you understanding what I'm trying to talk about, call the inside of the church the village Call the people in the village the crowd. Does that make sense? The building is what? Oh, y'all come on. Y'all stay with me. The building is what? We are what? One more time. The building is what? We are what? Come on, one more time. Somebody didn't say yet. The building is what? We are what? Now, let me make the connection. If the only time you spend time with God is in the village... With the crowd, you really don't know him. <laughs> yeah. You see, for a lot of us, the extent of our relationship is either on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning when we come with the crowd in the village, and Jesus had not yet taken you by the hand and led you outside the village away from the crowd so you could spend time with him, and you wonder why we still wrestle with love and we wrestle with forgiveness and we wrestle with releasing is we have not yet spent enough time with him. Here's what we do. We leave the crowd and the village and we go do us. And the life we live outside the village is so different. (laughs) Come on, y'all. And we wonder why we wrestle with what we wrestle with. Process your own stuff, but just hear what I'm saying. To really experience God in the fullness, He must take you by the hand and lead you outside the village away from the crowd where he speaks to you. Don't nobody feel guilty about this, okay? But if the only time you hear from God is on Sunday morning at the village with the crowd, you might not be able to recognize his voice when he speaks at home. Make it plain, sir. Make it plain. You might not be able to recognize his voice when Bubba and them call you. You might not be able to recognize his voice when your office mate is sitting next to you get on your reserved nerve and you want to go off on them, but he's trying to say stop it. You can't recognize his voice because somehow you found yourself away from the crowd outside the village and you don't know what he sounds like because he's never spoken to you away from the crowd outside the village. He must take you by the hand and lead you alone. I like the songwriter that says, and he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. I, I love my wife. And, and when I met my wife, we were young and we would go to the clubs and, and the party didn't begin until we got there. And, you know, you know ooh, ooh, y'all remember them days? Y'all remember those days? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd walk in, potty over here. <laughs> but, but, but here's the thing. While I was with that crowd in that village was not the time for me to really get to know her. Are you with me? It's when we in the car, and i got the music going. Turn off the lights. And I'm leaning over and light a candle. Girl, you know I got, you know. Come on, y'all. And, and that's, that's when, come on, y'all. It was time alone, away from the crowd, outside the village, that we got intimate. And a lot of us are trying to get intimate with the crowd in the village. And too many folk are watching. You really can't know God. I wish I had somebody. <laughs> and so you don't know if it's his voice or if it's the preacher's voice or if it's the worship leader's voice. Come on. And we hear all these noises. Number one, number one, number one, number one. You must get alone with him away from the crowd. Are you hearing me? I must get alone with him away from the crowd outside the village. And so I can be very simple. That must happen Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Are you with me? Not just on Sunday morning. So here's an application. What does my devotional life look like? What does my practical life like? Have I positioned myself to recognize the voice of God when he speaks to me? Okay, he took the man away from the crowd, away from the village, and he dealt with him. All right? Secondly, okay, now watch this with me. Let's read and let's talk. Look at this. Verse 23, he took the man, verse 23, led him outside the village. And when he had spit on his eyes, he laid his hand on him. And watch what he asked him. Do you see what? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like what? trees what now before I talk about that number one let's agree to the fact that this man was blind and he could not see and the reason I think it's paramount that we not miss that point by virtue of the crowd the fact that he depended on a group of people to bring him to Jesus is indicative of the truth that he could not see Now, I want you to safely assume with me that I don't know whether the truth is that this man could see at one point in time and ended up being blind. But let's safely assume that he's been blind a very, 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 very long time, possibly from birth, and he had never seen before. Okay? So now, Jesus takes him outside of the crowd. He's spending time alone with Jesus. And now Jesus begins this healing situation in his life. And I wanna be, I wanna say this very, very carefully because I want you to hear me say this. Now, Jesus reaches down, he spits on the ground, and he touches him. Come on, say the first touch. touch. Everybody say, say the first first touch. He touches him. Now, what's striking in the text is that. If you know Jesus, like I know Jesus, and if you know God, like I know God, and you read this text, you say, something is wrong. Yeah, because, hold up, last I checked, I had never seen Jesus perform a miracle and then asked the recipient of the miracle, did it work? Maybe he did that with you, but when he raised Lazarus from the dead, he didn't say, Lazarus, you fitting to get up? He just said, get up, and he went on about his business because he realized that his word could not return to him void unless it accomplished that which he sent it out to do. Come on, y'all. When he raised the woman of Nain's son, he did not ask the dead boy, did it work? He said, get up. And Yeah, come on now. Come on, come on. When, when he healed a woman with the issue of blood, matter of fact, he didn't even have to say anything. All she had to do was touch the hem of his garment. Uh, come on. And she received healing. Every single miracle that God and his son Christ performed from Genesis up until Mark chapter 8, it was immediate and it was once and it worked the first time. But... It seems as if something funny is going on in this text because he takes the man away from the village, spends time with him, and then he touches him, and he says, did it work? Now, understand with me, his disciples are standing with him, and they're like, hmm, dang, Peter. I guess the spirit must have left him. Dang, Jude, did you see that? Dude didn't see. Andrew. Man, I guess you must have really ticked him off, man. The power left him. And then remember with me how I set this up. You have eyes, but you can't see. You have ears, but you can't hear. And so he encounters this man, and he spits, and he touches him. And he asked the man, do you see? Listen to the man's response. I can see, but only partially. I see men, but they look like trees. Yeah. So here's what I want you to hear. Say the first touch. The first touch. When I come to Christ as personal Lord and Savior, he touches me. Here's what the touch does. It adopts me into the family of God. And in the true sense of the word, I have the spirit living within me. I am regenerated. I am being sanctified. I am on my way to sanctification. But hear me say this, but I ain't done yet. At salvation... I can be considered a one-touch Christian. So if I walk away from the presence of God, let's say I came to the altar and I legitimately gave my life to Christ. He touched me. But I walk away and I am not discipled. I'm going to walk the remainder of my Christian life. Seeing people as trees with a faulty perception of what reality is. Now, hear me out, hear me hear. Hey, dude, you're blind. How you know what people look like? Somebody told me. How you know what a tree look like? Somebody told me. You mean to tell me you did not experience it for yourself? Well, how could I? I was blind. And he went around, if he had walked away with the one touch, living life with a faulty perception, well, my sermon title, with clouded vision. The reason I can't love you right, Derek, is because I have a faulty perception of who you really are. (laughs) And you look like a tree, you smell like a tree. You walk like a tree. You talk like a tree. You is a tree. (laughs) And because you hit me as a tree, I can't forgive you because a tree going to hit again. And I'm stuck there because all I know him to be is a tree. How do I know that? Somebody told me. I wish I had somebody. (laughs) Yeah. It's, It's not my experience. Because I hadn't spent intimate time with him away from, I wish I had somebody from the crowd. I wish I had somebody in here. All I see him is in the village when I come with the crowd. And when I hang out with the crowd, the crowd talks. Come on, don't act like folk don't talk. The crowd says things and it taints my perception. Am I safe? Yes, I am safe, but I have clouded vision because my perception of you stops at the flesh. So I wrestle with loving my neighbor because I see their flesh. I wrestle with loving my wife because I see her flesh. I wrestle with forgiveness because I see the flesh. And all I know of the flesh is what scientists says and what people have said about the flesh. Come on, y'all. Are you with me? First touch. <laughs> I thank God <sighs> that the man didn't go away with the first touch. Because remember with me. Let me connect this to the text contextually. Jesus was trying to tell his disciples, y'all been with me for three doggone years. And you still don't know who I am? You think it's about bread? Let me explain what's happening. You just got the first touch. I called you and you responded. But you haven't got it yet. And so it's difficult for you to execute what I'm challenging you to execute. Come on, is this making sense, guys? Yes. And we hang on to it. And we lock into it be- because we never grow to the place to seeing people or to seeing things. Or let me just stick with God. To seeing God for who He really is and what He can do. Because all we know of him is what we heard in the crowd in the village. And so here's our encounter with Jesus. When we hear a good song that we heard in the village, hey, that's my song. And all we know him is the emotion in the song. I wish I had somebody. Are you hearing me? We don't know him further than that. We must get past the first touch to getting to the second touch. Because the second touch is where we get a full revelation of who Christ and who we are, yeah, in him. That's very, very important. Are you with me? Get past the first touch to get to the second touch So we can get a full revelation of who we are in Him.
1: You're going to help us, Mr. Henderson, whether you want to or not. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. will feel a little weird this is the construct hmm. it's our loading program we can load anything from clothing to equipment weapons training simulations anything we need is it really so hard to believe your clothes are different the plugs in your arms and head are gone your hair has changed Your appearance now is what we call residual self-image. It is the mental projection of your digital self. I'm going to learn (sighs) jujitsu. I know kung fu. Show me.
0: I'm talking about. (laughs) One of my favorite movies. This is not about the movie, so I don't (laughs) want nobody to make this about the movie. I showed you some scenes because I think this could help me amplify or illustrate the second touch better than anything else. Let me walk you through what you just saw. Mr. Anderson, (laughs) when you first saw Neo, you saw this person that was confused about life. Little computer programmer working at his computer, knowing that there's more to life, but he doesn't know how to receive it, how to achieve it, and how to get there. Second thing you see is you find um, the Smiths, if you know anything about the movie, all of a sudden they've captured Mr. Anderson, and they're trying to implant this bug in him to stop him from achieving his destiny. Y'all go get this. If you don't know think about Mr. Smith, I kind of equate him to the enemy that's pursuing you, trying to stop you from, f- yeah, from achieving. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and what I like about the movie is that the enemy actually caught him and got that bug in him. And that's why David puts it this way in Psalm 51. I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother what? Conceive me. Now, the reason I want to point that out is by default, it's easy for us to not realize who God would call us to be. But then the, move, the scene switches, and then all of a sudden you see him sitting in front, front of, was it Morpheus? And Morpheus is offering a chance for him to continue to live life in the normal with the blue pill, or to take the red pill and experience something else. He takes the red pill. And I hope you didn't miss this. Then he's born again. Yeah, he's born again, right? And then lock into this. He's born, and in his new birth, you see Neo now laying on this ship called the Nebuchadnezzar with a hole in his head. Y'all tracking with me? And then here's the thing. Now, he was born again, and he's laying in the Nebuchadnezzar with the hole in his head. First touch. Oh, I wish. Had powers, had capability, had skills that was given to him because he's no longer subject to the smiths anymore. But he must tap into this new found power that he just received. He can lay there all day long with the hole in his head and not do anything. It's still just one touch. And let me say this before I go to the next scene. A lot of us have given our life to Christ and all we're doing is living life with the one touch. Okay. And and let me, let me, don't go nowhere with this. But let me equate the matrix to the kingdom of God. We have full access to the matrix. We have full access to the kingdom. We have, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And all of a sudden here we are laying there not taking access to it. Then Morpheus says to him, I'm about to plug you in. Oh, y'all going to get this. And, and when I plug you in, it's going to feel weird because you're going to have access to stuff you didn't know you had access to. He gets plugged in. Then all of a sudden, you see him in the scene with a white background. And here's what Morpheus says to him. Your hands look new. (laughs) Your hair look new. Your body is new. And he referred to it, this is the loading program. And I like this. We can load anything we yeah. Philippians. I can do, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, 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 it doesn't happen if you doesn't get plugged. Yeah. You got, you must, you must get plugged in. And I showed, I want to show the last illustration. So he's sitting in there and his goal now is to defeat the Smiths to save Zion, right? So let me test this out. I want to learn karate. He's plugged in. And they loaded the karate program. And here's Neo. <laughs> if you want to experience the second touch of God, get plugged in. I want y'all to hear me say that. Get plugged in because it's only when you're plugged in can God load the appropriate program. <laughs> to help you fight. I wish I had somebody in here. Here's the deal. I can't stand so and so forth. I can't forgive them. You need a forgiveness program loaded. (laughs) And in the flesh, we're trying to attract this thing, so you look clouded. And until I'm plugged in, the cloud does not go away, and I can't see you for who you are, because lock into this. Unplugged, everything looks fleshly to Neo. Plugged in, he saw everything in a different way. I wish I had somebody in here. When I looked at you, when I look at you, if I am walking with God and I have a second touch experience with God, I should never see you in your unplugged state. Y'all didn't get that. Jesus could look at the worst sinner and say to them, I love you because he never sees him in his unplugged. He could look at the worst drug addict and still love them because he never sees him in his unplugged. I wish I had somebody in here. So here's how Roman says it walk in the spirit, and you won't fulfill what? The desires, what? of the yeah 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 so in other words stay plugged in because when you're plugged in if somebody wrongs you you can release you can love your neighbor come on you can be who God would have them to be because that program has been loaded cuz you've been plugged in so lock into this if i am struggling with the two commands we gave the past couple of weeks ago i might want to check if i'm here's how jesus says i am the vine you are the branch remain in me And I and you, as the branch cannot produce fruit, how? By itself. So if if you can't do it, maybe you're unplugged. (laughs) Lord, help me. 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 So whenever my wife does something to me and it gets on my reserve nerve, before I start acting out, I go like that. I do, I do, I do. I'm learning. I go like that because if I approach her with the unplugged, it ain't going to be, girl. Oh, y'all not hearing me. Y'all not hearing me. But but if I go like that and there's an umbilical cord that's connected to heaven, oh, yeah. And if it's connected to heaven, I know that I've got some juices flowing that's going to cause me to act like God. And my behaviors are going to be different. Are you hearing me? Here's what Jesus said. I see men as trees walking. Don't 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 leave, don't leave, don't leave. And the text says Jesus went like that. Shh, this is going to feel weird. Shh. What do you see now? Oh my gosh. I see them in their created destiny. They don't look like trees. I see doctors and lawyers and preachers and and ministers. Come on. And angels and children of God. I don't know where my enemy went, but he disappeared. And I have to love. I don't know where that person who wronged me went. I can see clearly because I've gotten the second touch. And I've been plugged in. Here's what I want to do. 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 Because married folk, if you're like us, You wake up in the morning with my plug. Don't act like you don't have to do it. Don't come on, y'all, because you get up out your bed and go about your business and lift your extension cord. Some of us go to work without being plugged. Come on now. Come on, come on, come on. Some of us live life without being plugged in and wonder what the problems are. Get plugged in, get that second touch, get that second touch. Wednesday I'm going to talk about how to make that happen. But let me say this, you must spend time alone in the presence of God. The first touch, the first us just gives you access to be plugged in. It gives you the hole but ain't nothing in it. Come on, I wish had somebody in here. The second touch is where he plugs you in and takes you to a deeper level with God. Hear me carefully as I say this, there is more to to being saved than simply being saved. There is another level. And God wants to take us all there. God wants to grow us deeper. God wants to make us more like him. Some of us have been saved for a long, long time and have never experienced next level with God. I'm telling you there's more. I'm going to say this and I'm done. You're looking at the guy that pastored two previous churches is churches is I don't even Dang that slipped out y'all. That slipped out <laughs> Churches, churches. Lord, I better get plugged in. Yeah. yeah. I pastored two churches in an unplugged state. How is that possible? I was walking in the flesh. And hence failures, hence problems. Come on, I want y'all to hear me. But when I got exposed to the second touch of God, are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? So here's what I want to do this morning, and we're done. If you're struggling with obedience to the word, execution of the commands of God, implementation of what God is saying, and you feel you're not growing deeper, get away from the crowd, get away from the village and spend time with God. And here's what Paul says, be filled with the spirit of God. God fill me afresh. And I'm not leaving until you talk to me. till you fix what I'm dealing with because I'm seeing things dimly. I'm seeing things through clouded vision. And I want to see clearly. So, God, connect me to the vine so I can bear fruit. Bow your heads with me. I want want you, just like I have to do, to search yourself. Search your heart. If there's anything in there that's unlike God, I want to pour out myself to you. And I know we're a little over, but I just need to do this. Great are you, Lord. Just play a reprise of that. Come on, worship team. The enemy has planted a bug. Calvary's all about God debugging us and removing that thing. But if we're not able to live the way God would have us to live, we're still living a defeated life. So I want us to take a moment this morning just to say, Lord, show me. Lord, work on me. Here's what we said when we started the forgiveness series. (sighs) Forgiveness is not undoing the wrong, but it's releasing the person of the guilt for what they've done. God forgave me. God released me of the death. I'm obligated to love and forgive. And I want to be all that God would have me to do. If I can't do it, I really need to check my connection points. So Ephesians 4 puts it this way, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one Lord, one God, one faith, one baptism, one God who is over all and in all and through all. So if I have the breath of God in me, show me how to be like you, Lord. Show me how to be like you show me how to be like you. In your own way, go to God this morning and allow God to work in you. There's been times where we've been unplugged, where we haven't been doing all that God would have us to do and we need to adjust.